coming up in today's episode. I was writing down what I would say to my 10-year-old self. You know, I started crying because I felt like mm. it was almost like I'm shifting my reality today by having a conversation with my 10-year-old self. Welcome to Enter the Mind podcast, the most real talk, no-nonsense podcast on the empowering of the mind. In today's episode, we're going to be answering the question, what would you say to your 10-year-old self? Before we get to that, Kira, how's it going this week? Super freaking well. I just bought my mom and myself tickets to the 10X Business Bootcamp in July, so I'm excited for that. I also redid my room and just kind of made it a little more me, um, so I'm happier. So yeah, this week is going really good so far. How's it going on your end? Those are, those are two positives for sure. Yeah. This week is pretty strong. The reason I want to talk about today's topic is my birthday's coming up later this month. I'm turning 35, so that got me reflecting on age and the development process and everything. I can't even believe your birthday is coming up. You're sending me your address and your suit size or your clothes size so I can send you a present. <laughs> That's awesome that this naturally came to you since you're turning 35. It's like, okay, well, I kind of want to reflect on like my younger years. Is that it? Well, on the whole, just the whole developmental process and okay. I just chose 10 because it's sort of a <laughs> sort of arbitrary, but I don't know. What would you say to your 10 year old self? You'd probably say you're a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I wrote down a lot of things just because kids don't like you. It doesn't mean you're not lovable. They can't see how amazing you are. Don't ever let someone's actions or opinions dull your authenticity and shine. Ooh, that is a good one. I, I have an example that goes right along with that. But Ooh, if you wanted to elaborate more. I had a lot of trouble when I was younger because everybody made fun of me. Nobody liked me. I didn't have the cool clothes according to them and all of this stuff. So I really let that get to me and I tried everything I could to morph myself into something that these kids would like so that I could be included. And, you know, looking back on it now, that's definitely something that I would want my 10 year old self to understand. That you don't have to make efforts to fit in or... Yeah, that you don't have to change yourself to fit in, you know, just because even if the whole fucking school doesn't like you, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Do not dull your authenticity, do not dull your shine, do not try and fit in because of other people's opinions or actions towards you or about you. It seems just surprising to me because today you seem so cool and authentic and it's hard <laughs> for me to imagine you ever not being that way. I was. That's probably why they didn't like me very much. I was, mm. I was so authentic. I was me. I was happy. I was funny. I was crazy. And they hated it. So I started to morph it into something that they would like. Like maybe I heard a conversation where they were talking about something specific. So then I brought that conversation up. Or maybe I heard them gossiping about somebody and I wanted to fit in, be cool and be liked. So I went and gossiped about somebody. And I think that that's where kids get really caught up in adolescent phase where you don't know what the fuck to do. So you're just trying to fit in because you don't know any better. Yeah. So the, what that made me think of was when I was in fifth grade, I was playing little league baseball and 
this is an example of like criticism from another kid, right? Okay. One day we were about to play a game and we were taking the field. As we were walking out onto the field, one of my teammates turned to me and he said, don't lose the game for us again this time. Yeah, yeah, look at your face. <laughs> yeah, that's like, who says that? It's what like a mean child. Jerk of the year award <laughs> goes, goes to that kid, right? But, you know, that obviously that bothered me. But to get back to this question of like, what would I say to my 10-year-old self? There's nothing you can say that's just going to make things better. Here's the question. What if I could have a dialogue with my 10-year-old self? <laughs> if I could have a back-and-forth conversation because that's how you change somebody's mind, right? So that conversation would sound like this. I would say, what did that guy say to you? And my 10-year-old self would respond, well, he told me not to lose the game again. Here's my answer to that. Did you lose the game for the team last time? Did you or did you not? What actually happened? Let's say my 10-year-old self responded by saying, well, yeah, we did lose the game because I, I didn't tag the guy fast enough. Me, 34-year-old self, would say, okay, so you didn't tag him fast enough. Can you get better at tagging people faster? Like if you practice, would you get better at it? And then second of all, did that cause your team to lose the game? I mean, maybe it contributed, but was that the sole factor? Probably not because... Yeah. If you guys scored a few more runs earlier in the game, you would have won, right? If the pitcher had thrown a strikeout instead of letting this guy hit the ball to you, then you guys would have won. So I would bring my 10-year-old self back to reality and the facts of what happened. Because what? look at that kid's comment to me. Don't lose the game for us again, right? That's a story. That's not a fact. Mm -hmm. It's a story that... Because you did this and that, those are facts, right? You did this and that, that lost the game for us. That's a story. The facts are the facts, but people's stories and interpretations, this is the dangerous part when it comes to managing the mind, mm -hmm. is people always go around throwing out their stories and interpretations as if they're facts. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, then when we listen to other people talk, we are hearing all of these distorted perceptions. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, we're going to just accept those as facts rather than as the stories and the distorted perceptions that they are. I completely agreed. And as a young child, 10 year old self, you haven't been taught about other people's stories replaying in their head. You know, you haven't been taught about really looking at the facts and the truth of reality. So you as a little boy could possibly really take that in and be like, oh my God, like I lost the game because you haven't been taught to look at the facts. But if you really looked at the facts, there is literally no possible way that you could have lost the whole game unless you were the only player on the team. Unless you exactly. were the only player on yeah, the team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's sort of a sort of like a distortion i guess or a exaggeration that's that's a good point it's very cool as well though the way that you you brought the dialogue up that's a great 
a great way for somebody to go back and talk with their 10 year old self. Like we were talking about last week when we were talking about, you know, having a conversation with yourself. It's strange, but this morning when I was writing down what I would say to my 10 year old self, you know, I started crying because I felt mm. like it was almost like I'm shifting my reality today by having a conversation with my 10 year old self. I had that same experience last night when I thought of this topic. Yeah. I almost felt like crying. Like, why do you think that is? I think it's because we're literally speaking to the child within us that's been hurt and misunderstood and unheard for mm. years. You know, like that's, that's big. That's big. And I, it, yeah, I it definitely we, is big considering we both <laughs> like we're. I think we are unheard though as kids because think about it what's the number one answer you're going to get if you go to a parent or an adult as a kid and you tell them you know so and so told me not to lose the game again for the team uh -huh. they're going to say oh don't listen to him you're yes. you're still cool you're you're still a winner right mm -hmm. okay so what are you doing you're just pushing back against their statement you're investing energy into it why would you put energy into this Yes. Statement from somebody else, this BS statement, this Not garbage, true. this criticism. Because what you resist, you and I both know this, energy will flow into that. It strengthens it. So no, that's the wrong way to listen to the kid. The right way is what I just said, dialogue. It's like, okay, so they said that statement. Okay, well, are they right or are they not? Okay, well, what do you think about that statement? All right, is there something you can do about that? Or that sort of neutral statement versus jumping in and trying to be the hero, the rescue person, say, no, you know, you're still an awesome person and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no. It's like when I'm feeling down and I'm like, I just completely bombed my interview. So I, I get off the call and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I did so fucking bad. I did so bad. You're, talk you're talking hypothetically, right? Yes. If I had bombed something so bad and like I went to a friend and they were like, you're still amazing. You're still beautiful. I would kind of be like shaking them in the face and being like, I don't think you understand. Like I just fucked this up. I would want somebody to talk to me and be like, well, I kind of agree with you. You did kind of fuck it up. I'm going to be honest with you. You are my pal. You did fuck it up. Girl, but it's okay. Because number one, you're going to learn from it. Number two, you really are fucking amazing. This is just one mistake. You're going to be okay. You need to accept, I think, like what you were saying. Like you need, there needs to be that acceptance before you spread love onto the person. There can't be the denial of it. So like when I was in like fifth grade, I remember I gossiped. I said something really fucking mean to a girl before, like really fucking mean. And I will never, ever, ever forget it. And my heart broke when I said it. But I feel like if I were to talk with somebody about that, like I did something really, really mean, you know, they would say like, I don't know. I feel like my mom would be the type of person to ask me like, well, why did you do it? And I probably would have been like, well, because I wanted to fit in. And then my mom probably would have been like, you don't need to fit in, something like that. But even then though, the dialogue, it's like, well, I want to fit in. So what do you mean I don't need to fit in? Like, I, I want to fit in. So like, can we, can we untangle this or something like that? Yeah, it needs untangling. It's called in psychology, motivational interviewing. And it's, it's like a technique that I learned 
in my years as a counselor. Really cool. But what I'm what I'm seeing now is like that process is so important when you talk to kids. And I see this when they come to my skateboarding class, these five-year-old kids, seven-year-old kids, and I'm actually engaging in a dialogue with them. I'm not just telling them, hey, don't do that, don't do that. I'm saying, hang on, you know, I saw that you did this. What was your motivation for doing, you know, I'm curious why you ran across the park like that when another skateboarder was going in that direction too. Mm-hmm. And then you ended up colliding. Like, did you look before, right? I'm asking these neutral questions versus being like, why did you do that? Like, yeah. you need to look before you go. And that's what people yeah. do all the time. They just pounce on each other. Pounce is the perfect fucking word. I see so many times children with like their parents, it's like their kid will be walking, literally, I'm talking like 10 feet away from them, if that, really, not freaking far at all. And the mom, you know, will like freaking grouch up and she'll be like, what are you doing? There's cars in the street. Can't you just listen to me for one second? And I, I sit there and I'm like, all you needed to say to the child was, hey, baby girl, or hey, baby boy, I trust you, but please look out for cars. Please make sure to look both ways. Just be mindful about it. Or like, ask them a question like, I don't know. It's just, yes, I want to, I definitely am happy that we're addressing that sort of pouncing with parenting styles these days. Right. I mean, and look at us, look at us, the two non-parents with no kids talking on our podcast about how to parent kids, right? But, uh, but hey, hey, the principles we're talking about, I think makes sense. What's the next piece of advice you would give to your 10 year old self? What I would tell myself is that the cool kids aren't always the cool kids. The goal is to grow up, mature, and live a quality, wealthy life, not be liked by everyone. And I think that that is something that 10 year old me would have really, really loved to hear. That's a good question. How do you teach a 10 year old to not live for external validation, especially socially? I think that the best way to teach a child to not search for anything external would genuinely be just to incorporate self-care into their lives, right? Like affirmations, declarations, happy books, like specific routines, like getting your daughter or your son to do yoga with you or making sure that he goes out and plays basketball or making sure that every Friday night you have an assessment of what went on that week, what made you feel bad and things like that. And I feel like the main concern for parents is like, my child is a child, I don't wanna take away their adolescence. And it's like, mm-hmm. I get you. I, re- I really, really do. I've thought about this so many times, but you are robbing them of their actual adolescence by not incorporating these self-help routines into their lives because they're not conscious enough to even enjoy their adolescence. Their minds are all screwed up They don't know where they're going. They're trying to fit in with the cool kids. You know, they're possibly getting into gossiping. They're possibly moving their way into the the bad kids. You need to incorporate these self-help things, I think. Yeah, this is cool. That makes me wonder. I'm not sure how many parents are watching or listening to this episode, but 
If you are a parent, then put something in the comments below. Share your experiences, because I'd be curious to hear those. But let's get back to an example, right? So something from my fifth grade times that relates exactly to this and wanting to fit in is that in fifth grade, all of a sudden, we had this fad, this cool thing with yo-yos. So all the cool all the cool kids were buying these yo-yos and not like basic ones. They were these new like state of the art ones that had like the sleeper mechanism in it. So you could like you would fling it down and then it would for like 20 seconds it would be spinning at the bottom. And I remember I was like one of the last students to get one. And I was telling my parents like, you know, I want this, I want this. Oh, like where do you get it? Oh, it's from this store called FAO Schwartz. And it's this store we had never been to in this part of town that we never went to. And it just seemed so unreachable. So if I were to talk to my 10-year-old self, I wouldn't tell them, yo, forget about this yo-yo thing, like whatever, <laughs> just be cool. Like you don't need that, right? Again, I would dialogue. I would be like, oh, you want one of these yo-yos? What, what would it do for you if you got one? And then my 10-year-old self would think and be like, uh, well, everybody else has one. How would your life improve if you got one? And if you didn't get one, then would you be at a loss or would you not be at a loss? And then if you want one, if you decide that you want one, okay, how can you get it? How much does it cost? It costs $20. How can you generate $20? Can you go mow somebody's lawn for $20? Can you go mow two lawns for $10 each? Let's actually teach some self-agency to people, some proactiveness, because that man, that's not valuable to just a 10 year old. That's valuable to every single person on planet earth. That's valuable to me. That's what I was, that's what I've been doing this whole week. I'm 34 years old, this entire week. Problem comes up at work. Everybody starts complaining about the problem. I'm the only one asking, okay, well, what can we do about it? You know, what if the solution is just takes 30 seconds? What if it takes 30 seconds to fix this problem and everybody else spends an hour in a meeting complaining about the problem, right? And no, yeah. Yeah, I actually, you are making me think, Robert. You're humbling me. I like it. You know, as opposed to just telling myself that, like, the cool kids aren't always the cool kids. Instead, I could probably ask myself, why do you feel like you want to fit in so bad with these cool kids? And my answer probably would have been because they, they have so much power. They run the school. They can do specific cool things like these... These cool kids are who I want to be with. The non-cool kids kept their heads down. They did their work. They didn't really get too much perks unless it was like, you know, an apple for being like a good student or something. I just felt like the cool kids had so much more power and that's what I wanted. So, Robert, you are, you are helping me right now. <laughs> right on there's some synergy going on and to start wrapping up today's episode is this idea that a lot of the things that happened to us earlier in life still affect how we act today and it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing it probably depends on a case-by-case -case basis mm -hmm. but it's good to be aware of it with that baseball example you know, the kid that asked me, don't, hey, don't lose the game again for us. I play hockey right now on a men's team. And if you ask any of my teammates, you'll get confirmation from them that 
after every game I play, I ask the top players on our team, hey, what could I have done a little bit better, you think? And I get their advice and then I take notes on that and then I read those notes before the next game. Why? Because I'm here to improve. And did that practice originate with this sort of example from fifth grade of the kid being like mean to me? Maybe, but question is, I don't think we can count on the world always being nice to us. I think we need to focus on staying in a proactive mode and asking ourselves, like, what can I do about this? You just fucking nailed it. It's not so much about focusing on the world being nice to you. It's about focusing on, okay, this happened. What's the proactive step to take to make sure that I got my own back? That would be a great something to say to a 10-year-old, actually. Not so much what can about- What you do about it? Everyone, yeah, not so much about everyone being nice to you or accepting you or how the teachers treat you or what you're learning in school, but rather what's the proactive step that you can take to make sure you have your own back and keep yourself happy. Right. So I guess that would be the power question of the day is, is what can I do about it? Or what can you do about it? Whenever something happens, it's like, okay, well, what, what am I going to do about this? Yeah. Like when you, when you're walking down the street and somebody's going fast and they splash a rain puddle on you, or when you were really excited to meet somebody and they turn out being really rude, or you were really excited for an experience and it just turned out, you know, completely horrible. Instead of blaming the outside world, what can you do and what can you ask yourself to make sure that next time something like this doesn't happen? I've been reading the book, A Return to Love. It's the most beautiful book I've ever read. And it really just talks about whatever you're not getting in a situation is something that you didn't give first. And on top of that, it was talking about how it's not about what you attract. It's about how you respond to what you attract, making that proactive sort of handy toolkit for when a specific thing goes wrong. You have your handy dandy toolkit. That's awesome. I'm going to put that book in the description for people to look into. Good. Next week, we have a very, very big episode coming up. If any of you have heard of The Secret, and Kira, maybe you can, you're such a big fan of The Secret. Can you just tell people what that is? The Secret is about the law of manifestation, and it's like the first book that I opened that led me to where I am today. I, I opened the book, and I, my mind went on an unrelenting mission and goal to live my happiest and best life. And the movie has a lot of contributors to it where they interview different experts on the law of attraction and one of those experts is named bob doyle he's going to be on our show next week so stay tuned tell your friends tell everybody that you know who likes the secret who likes the law of attraction manifestation make sure that they're subscribed to the youtube existence first and the podcast enter the mind because next week episode is going to be a killer one we'll see you guys then did you find at least one gold nugget in today's episode? Then please like and subscribe and share it with a friend. And finally, if you're looking for a community of like-minded people, join our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash enter the mind.